Colossians, and uh, we're going to be opening our Bibles. If you have a Bible with you, or if you don't have a Bible with you, we actually uh, have some paper Bibles. Uh, our ushers are going to be coming down the aisle now. We will have the verses on the screen, but if you would like to have a Bible in your hands, just give them a signal, and they can get one in your hands. But they don't have an app. They don't have like a tablet for you, unfortunately. You'll have to just settle with a paper Bible. All right. <clears throat> As I said, we are continuing our series in Colossians, finding our identity in Christ. Um, and uh, we've been going through the book, and I, I actually found it a little surprising when last week when Dean was saying, and we're just getting through the introduction. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's a lot for an introduction. Uh, but our themes that we're talking about is uh, Christ being the supreme king of the universe. Uh, Dean pointed out that the word Christ means uh, Messiah, it means anointed king, and we wanted to have that be our focus. And the other theme that we're, we've been talking about is true believers find their identity in Christ, hence the, the title of the series. And when you find your identity in something, you, they become someone else from what they used to be. I might have mentioned this before, uh, my dad's a pastor um, over at Asabi Island Church, and there's this kind of long-running joke that if he has only a couple of verses to preach from, he'll preach for like an hour. But if he has a lot of verses, he'll preach for like 20 minutes. And so this might be a small one, because I actually have 17 verses to go through today. Uh, but I also have a bit of a long intro, and so we'll just kind of, we'll kind of see how it goes. So our identity in Christ. Uh, the question is, you know, who are we? You know, who are we not? You know, what does that look like? You know, what are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing here in church? What are we doing here outside of that. Now, as I was reading through this and some commentaries and listening to different sermons and trying to prepare, this, this might be another difficult sermon. I know that Dean has mentioned that before, um, and it might get uncomfortable at times, and I would ask that you, that you lean into that feeling and not away from it. I'm not up here trying to poke you guys just to see what will happen. Um, I'm, I'm speaking... From the, from the Bible, but I'm also speaking what I think God's telling me, and I want to share that with you guys. And if it's, if it's something that makes you uncomfortable or you're not sure about it, it could be that God's Spirit is trying to tell you something, or, or it could be I said something stupid. Either way, like, I, I need you guys to stay with me a little bit, and we'll see if we can, we can figure that out together. All right, so before we wade into these deep waters, let's, let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would... Uh, be with us today. I'm, I'm getting a little excited, so I pray that you calm my nerves. Uh, help me to speak clearly. Lord, I pray that your spirit uh, would be with us and that uh, you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In your name, amen. I feel like I'm echoing. Am I echoing? Or is it just me? A little bit of echoing? Hopefully we can fix that in a minute. All right, so... My intro, before we get into the, the actual scripture, I'm going to tell you about a man named Paul uh, Hebert. He was born in 1932. Uh, he was born to missionaries in India. And he went on to earn his degree in anthropology. He became a cultural anthropologist, which is kind of hard to say. And he was, he was a really smart man. He was, he was a math and physics geek, you know, before it was cool. Uh, it's cool now, right? Or maybe not. So... Uh, so he grew up in India, came to the States and got his degrees, and he was looking back on his experience growing up in that, in that missionary community, in that Jesus community, 
And he kind of, he became self-critical about the way that they presented Jesus. See, those living in India found the idea of becoming a Christian repulsive. And, and they weren't repulsed by the idea of Jesus himself. Ooh, thanks, guys. Uh, they weren't repulsed by Jesus. They liked Jesus. But it was the community that they didn't particularly care for. See, for them, see, the native Indians, the ones that were born there, they're primarily from a Hindu background. For them, becoming a Christian meant turning their back on like their entire culture, or at least it seems that way. Like they thought they would need to dress differently, that they would need to sing the songs that were imported by the Western Christians. They couldn't participate in holidays and feasts, and this is this is a huge hurdle for for a lot of people. So Paul, he was he was having a critique on sort of the Western missionary movement. Maybe you guys have heard of that if you've done any studies on on the history of missions, and there was this idea that to become a Christian, you need to become Western. You need to dress a certain way. You need to you know, do worship a certain way. So he, he believed that instead of fully merging Jesus with a certain cultural expression of it, that we need to make sure that it was simply Jesus that was being presented. Makes sense, right? All right, this is exciting. We're going to do some math. I'm going to have the ushers hand out some papers and pens, and we're going to... No, I'm just kidding. Did anybody have a slight panic attack there, right? No, I wouldn't do that to you. But I am going to talk a little bit about math theory. Remember, he's a, he's a math geek. And so Paul Hebert used an analogy from math theory to talk about this idea of identity and how we look at, look at Christ. Because in math theory, there are different ways to talk about the identity of a number or an equation. So he asked, well, so how do you define identity, you know? And so he took two different uh, theories from math to, to explain this, which I just think is cool to use math to, to do this. But. So the first one he talked about was, uh, he called a bonded set. So you get a group of something, and you have a clear set of attributes, a clear set of character traits that make them the same, that, that they belong to that same category because of this list. So if we... Take that to, like, family. Uh, my, my two daughters were born into the Richardson family. They are Richardsons because they were born into it. My wife, Chrissy, is a Richardson now. She used to be a Collins, but she took my last name when we got married because that's how we roll. And then I also have a son that we adopted two years ago, and now he is a Richardson. So it's, it's pretty clear who's in and out, right? Like, that's, that's my family, and if we do have a family reunion, I probably won't invite you guys. I, you guys are awesome, but you're not part of that family. So there are static traits. You got that list. It's very clear who's in and out, right? You know, you, you're in it by blood. You're in it by marriage, adoption. That's it. Unless there's some other way I'm forgetting, but you, you get my point. So you bring that idea to the church, to the, to the community that we build here, and Paul Hebert thought that this was a pretty good description of his community that he grew up in, and maybe... Maybe it's a description of yours that you grew up in. It's probably a good description of a lot of church communities. So if you think about the church, you know, your parents went to church, so you went to church, right? Or maybe you started at a, a young age. And we also have that clear list of attributes, sometimes in the back of our minds, sometimes in the forefront. But usually it starts with a memorable personal encounter with Christ, right? And then you know you need Jesus, and so you say that a certain prayer, or maybe you, have, you answered an altar call, and then this leads then to a lifestyle of habits and practices. 
And these are connected to a moral calling or behavior. You know, prayer, reading your Bible, coming to church. And again, this is pretty clear, right? You know who's in and you know who's out. And so far, this doesn't sound too bad, right? Like, it seems pretty simple. But Heber thought, and, if you, and I tend to agree, that if you look at the church history, it's never quite that simple. The reason being is that we tend to add things to that clear list. And the things that we add are unique to a certain culture and place. So, for example, um, a lot of communities in Europe, in Christian communities even, don't believe that it's a big deal to have a drink. Like, have some wine at dinner, have some scotch, whatever. That's not a big deal for them. But communities in America, a lot of Christian communities will say that is a very big deal. You don't drink, right? You know, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang with people who do. I just heard that phrase. I thought it was funny. Uh, so, so we have that, and that becomes, that sometimes becomes just as important and just as central to identifying who you are as a Christian, because how do you know you're a follower of Jesus? Well, I, I don't do that. So, now we can't help but add things. As, as human beings, we, we, you know, you grow up in a certain culture, you have a certain way of doing things. That's just how we are. And some of the things that we do add to that, they're based on Jesus' teachings but some of them aren't. Now, they're not always bad. I'm not trying to say, like, it's all bad. Um, one, I have here a little example. This is uh, some prayer beads that Chrissy got me. Uh, I used to have some before, but they kept breaking, so she found someone who made, like, this really tough, uh, tough string to keep them. And I like to have them when I pray, and uh, it helps me focus. It gives me something to kind of tactile. And it's green, so it's pretty. I like it. Uh, but I'm not saying that everybody has to have that, right? That's, that's just something that I identify with. Um, other cultures will have dancing. We just, uh, were you guys here several weeks ago? We had that, that lady do a, do a hula dance up here to a worship song. That was really, really cool. But then Dean didn't come up after that and be like, all right, we're all going to learn how to do this dance, and this is how you become a Christian, right? So no, but that's fine right there. Um, Operation Christmas Child. I love those videos because we get to see other churches and other countries and how they worship and how they use their culture to worship God. So, I'm not saying that this list is necessarily bad. The issues become when we elevate those things to become the same level as Christ, right? If I were to say, everybody, you better have some prayer breeds, that's how I know you're a Christian, that is problematic to say the least. Another thing would be smoking. Go back to the don't smoke, uh, don't smoke, drink, or chew. And, and like Christ never talked about smoking, but we have, this, we have it connected to this idea of like you don't smoke if you're a Christian. I'm not saying you should smoke, by the way. Sorry. This is an example. There's a, there are a lot of good reasons to not smoke, but you kind of see what I'm trying to get at. Like there's the list, and when we elevate that, that's where the problems begin. So... The strength of the bonded set that, I'm, that I've been talking about is that it's clear. You, you understand it's easy to look at that and say who's in and who's out. But is that the way that Jesus taught? Is it the way that he wanted us to, to, to be as he was like starting this movement? Is it part of his teaching? And maybe you can already kind of see the, the, the problem with that is it can lead to legalism, can lead to hypocrisy, you know, the hearts are far from me. You know, the, the Jews just talked about the Pharisees. They had it all down. They had that list down. 
but they didn't love Christ. They didn't accept him. So that's the bonded set. The second one is a centered set. And in this way, we don't find our identity in, that, in a list of attributes that we achieve or accomplish. Instead, a centered set is where you have a clear center, and in this case, being Jesus Christ. And the question becomes, you know, are you doing these lists of things? Are you in? Are you out? The question becomes about movement. Are you moving towards the center? Or are you moving away from it? Uh, an example would be, um, let's see, how many people, and I do want to see a, a show of hands, but how many people can play an instrument? Yeah, a few of us. How many of us, try to keep your hands up for a second, how many of us would call ourselves musicians? Oh, see, less. There's only, there's less than that. So, so how do you define who's a musician? Musician, I can't talk today, sorry. Um, is it just being able to play an instrument? You know? Or... Is it when you perform? Like, you're a musician if you perform. You're a musician if you get paid. So if you look at that, let's ask the question about movement. Am I moving towards the center? And if we use this example of instruments and musicians, uh, if I'm moving towards the center, it means I'm pursuing it. You know, I love playing that particular instrument. I keep growing and changing. Maybe I'm not the best, but, you know, I keep, uh, keep moving towards that. Or am I moving away from the center, you know, I hardly ever play. I played it like 20 years ago, and it's not really that, that big of a deal. So this isn't static. It's about, and it's not about arriving at that list of attributes. It's not about what you achieved. It's are you moving to the center or away? And when you apply this to the church community, you could have people who grew up in the church, who were born into it, know the culture, and they know the right things to say, but they don't care about Jesus. I think back just uh, two Sundays ago, Dean shared some stats. Do you guys remember those? Certain percentage of evangelical. They say they're evangelical Christians, and they say that Jesus was not God. And quite frankly, I don't remember the number, but any number is a little shocking when you think about it that way. But that could be the result there. And you could have somebody that's starting out, that's coming back, and maybe they don't quite look like a Christian. They don't have that attribute set down but they love Jesus, they're excited, they're moving towards him. You know, they're on that journey. So the problem with the center set is it's socially messy. It's, it's harder to, to kind of figure out who's in and out, right? But, but maybe that's more true to, to, our, to our walk with Christ, to our faith, right? We're moving towards that center. All right. Long intro, I know, and that's a lot to throw at you. But this idea that of Paul Hebert uh, about the centered set uh, of Christian community, I think it's going to fit into what we're going to uh, read today. And so with that, you can open your Bibles or turn them on. Uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to start uh, verse 6. And if you grabbed one of those Bibles uh, from the ushers, it's page 950. And a lot of time before when I preached, I read the whole thing and then I went back, but I'm going to kind of go... I'm going to stop as we go, just to change things up a little bit. All right, so starting with verse 6. You received Jesus Christ as Lord, so keep on living your lives in him. Have your roots in him. Build yourselves up in him. Grow strong in what you believe, just as you were taught. Be more thankful than ever before. So Paul is continuing his encouragement. He spent the first chapter or so, you know, we talked about their, their love and their faith and their hope, and he's, and he's praised them for that. 
And so this is sort of this idea of keep going, you know, pointing out that they received Christ, uh, they were taught about him, they, they like to go back to that attributes, they realized their need for him, they accepted him as their king, and so he paints this picture of staying with that truth, right? Keep going that way. You have your roots in him, build yourselves up in him. Uh, when you look at the message, uh, the message version is, they say, school's out, quit studying the subject and start living it, which is just, I like the message. We pull it out at men's group sometimes just because it gives you a different, a different idea or a different angle to look at things. Continue on on with verse 8. Make sure no one controls you. They will try to control you by using false reasoning that has no meaning. Their ideas depend on human teaching. They also depend on the basic spiritual powers of this world. They don't depend on Christ. God's whole nature is living in Christ in human form. Because you belong to Christ, you have been made complete. He is the ruler over every power and authority. So other translations of this passage will say, uh, see that no one takes you captive. The idea of no one controlling you, no one taking you captive. And that verb is actually a bit of a rare one. It's, it's said, let's see if I can get this right, sulago geo. And N.T. Wright in his uh, commentary says that this verb, he says the verb is a rare one, and he says that, uh, I suggest that Paul uses it because it makes a contemptuous pun with the word synagogue. And I just think that's funny. Like, I, you don't think about the Bible having puns or wordplay, but that's because it's in a different language. We probably lose some of that <laughs> with our translation. But I just think that's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so false reasonings that have no meaning, uh, going back to the verses here. Uh, again, N.T. Wright says that it's like the facade of a grand house, which remains standing when the insides have been demolished, promises promising much and gives nothing. So the idea that they're like these ideas, these grand ideas, and it looks good, but there's, there's nothing to them. There's no substance. And the basic spiritual powers in this passage uh, probably refers to their polytheistic way the Colossians were before, like they had lots of gods, and there might be a pressure to go back to that way. And, but, you know, like as Paul points out, the whole nature of God, if you're looking for that, it's in Christ. It came down in human form, and now you belong to Christ, and he rules over all of them, so why go back to those pretenders in some ways, right? Uh, verse 11, when you received Christ, your circumcision was not done by human hands. Instead, your circumcision was done by Christ. He put away the person you used to be. At that time, sin's power ruled over you. When you were baptized, you were buried together with Christ and you were raised to life together with him when you were baptized. You were raised to life by believing in God's work. God himself raised Jesus from the dead. So once again, we have the evidence. If you've, if you've done some reading in the New Testament and the letters, there's always this long-standing issue, not always, there's, but there is a long-standing issue of you have to become a full Jewish person to be a Christian, right? You've got to follow the rules, the law, you've got to eat the right stuff, and you've got to get circumcised, which is a hard sell, I think. But, um, but yeah, so this is coming up again. Paul is saying you don't need that ritual of circumcision. It was meant to be set, you do that to be set apart uh, from everybody else. But, you know, if you're looking for a ritual, Paul is saying you've already gotten that. You got that with your baptism. You are joined with Christ in his death and resurrection. You're part of a new 
chosen people, and you're full of diverse ethnic cultures, but you're joined together in Christ. Again, he keeps bringing that back to Jesus. Uh, Verse 13. At one time, you were dead in your sins. Your desires controlled by sin were not circumcised, but God gave you a new life together with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He wiped out what the law said that we owed. The law stood against us. It judged us. But he has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. He took away the weapons of the powers and authorities. He made a public show of them. He won the battle over them by dying on the cross. So we have, we have the two opposing forces, the, kind of the main uh, forces that Paul is addressing here, or pressures. So we have the law, meaning the Jewish law, and we have the powers and authorities. And he's saying Christ paid whatever penalty the law had, so that, that's taken care of, and he conquered the powers and authorities. He made a public show of them even. So Paul, again, is building that case that Christ is all. He's all you need except no substitutes because they wouldn't even come close. And in fact, the law was actually a barrier for people. Like you can't get in. So both of these forces, these cultural pressures, are saying what Jesus did didn't really matter. The religious side says you need to go farther. Yeah, what Christ did, that's fine, but you also need this, this, and this. And this, and this, and add more. More rituals, more rules, right? And the, the liberal side says, well, you can add Jesus, that's fine, but you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to change Jesus is just as good. He's not better than any other way, whoever you want to follow. Just, he's another idol to add to the pile. Continuing to verse 16. So don't let anyone judge you because of what you eat or drink. Don't let anyone judge you about holy days. I'm talking about special feasts and new moons and Sabbath days. They are only a shadow of things to come. What is real is found in Christ. So, Uh, The idea of judging, or the word judge, here doesn't um, actually mean deciding for you. We talked about, I believe it was in our commands of Christ, you know, do not judge, that a lot of times that just means deciding. But there's this um, connotation, or there's this this, uh, feel of, it's the idea of excluding you. What I talked about just a second ago, that you're not a part of God's family. You can't be part of the chosen people because of this barrier um, of the law. So unless you do this and this and that. So the idea of like, don't let anyone judge you, don't let anyone exclude you from the community of Christ. All that regulation and those rules, that's just a shadow of what Christ really is and what he did. See, the Israelites had turned what was supposed to draw people in into a way of keeping people out. It's gatekeeping, if you've heard that term. It's kind of new. The idea like, oh, well, I was here first, so you can't really be a part of this yet, you know. Verse 18, some people enjoy pretending they aren't proud. They worship angels. But don't let people like that judge you. These people tell you every little thing about what they've seen. They are proud of their useless ideas. That's because their minds are not guided by the Holy Spirit. Uh, So worshiping angels, I mean, did that really happen? Maybe. Maybe. Paul could be referring to, to this in a literal sense, or he, um, he could also be pointing out that they're, they're so obsessed with their super spiritual 
and having the real answers, the real scoop, that these people are actually practicing idolatry. They're so caught up in their own thinking, their own pride, that they worship the creation rather than the creator. They just like to hear themselves talk. They aren't connected anymore to the head, sorry, going to verse 19, who is Christ, but the whole body grows from the head. The muscles and the tendons hold the body together and God causes it to grow. So they're disconnected, right? They're not following Jesus, they're following themselves. Last few verses here. Some people still follow the basic spiritual powers of the world, but you died with Christ as far as these powers are concerned. So why do you act like you still belong to the world? Here are the rules you follow. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Rules like these are about things that will pass away soon. They are based on merely human rules and teachings. It is true that these rules seem wise. Because of them, people give themselves over to their own kind of worship. They pretend they are humble. They treat their bodies very badly. But rules like these, they don't help people. They don't stop people from chasing after their sinful pleasures. When I uh, read those verses there, it brings to mind people that I've known, um, usually Christians, and I'm just, I want to say to them, why are you making your life harder than it has to be? Maybe you know people like that, that are just going the wrong way. And it's like, why, why would you do that? Why would you go that way? Why would you act as you still belong to the world? Uh, this, isn't, uh, this is meant more as a warning than a rebuke. If we look, again, if we look back, he's been, he's been building them up, saying you guys, are, you guys are strong in your faith, you're doing good, keep going. So this would be more of, like, you're doing great, so just make sure you don't go back there. I mean, why would you? Right? You have the truth, you, ha- you are in Christ, why would you want to go back to, the, to your old life? So the, the do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Well, again, he's going back to the, probably about the law, the Jewish law, dest, and they're destined to perish, some translations say. And so if you think about the, the do not taste uh, about food, it kind of echoes uh, a story in Matthew 15 when uh, Jesus was talking, and he was saying that you know, what goes into a man doesn't make him unclean, it's what comes out. Right. If you look at it at works, you know, I mentioned this before. You know, the the these people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These these things look good sometimes, and they have like like yeah, that's a good idea. I should probably do that, but they're based on on your own will and your and your own thoughts and teachings, and all that trouble, all that pain, all that rule keeping, it doesn't even work. And you can't maintain your own sin. So what does this mean for us? How do we apply this? When I, when I was look, reading through this, I kept, it, something kept coming to mind that I'm going to share with you, and this is the part that might get touchy. Uh, I think that we are alike. We're like the Colossians in some ways. I think that we are also facing two pressures that are very similar. And the one... The, the source that I think of is a very loud source. It's a very diversive source, and maybe you already know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to talk a little bit about politics. Okay. 
Let's, everyone okay? I, I felt a little tense there, even just saying that. Okay, let's just... There's the extreme right side, there's the extreme left side, right? So stay with me for a little bit. So as a church, we're separate from that, which is good. You know, we're not going to like have political ads on our YouTube. We're not going to endorse anybody or which side. But I think that we do need to remember that wherever you fall on the spectrum, and there's probably a, a good uh, diverse group of people here, wherever you fall on that, that it's, it's a man-made system. You know, our identity, again, is in Christ. And the issue in general with politics is that they, they want your loyalty. They want you to identify on that side. So you got the one extreme side that says you need to add more. You're not hard enough. You need more rules. And then you have the other extreme side that says you can have Jesus, but just add him to the pile. He's not any better than anything else, and don't try to make him better than that. And again, What's the message that both of these extreme sides are saying? What Jesus did, it didn't matter. It's either not enough or it's not important. Now, this isn't an exact parallel because uh, we've talked before about uh, as followers of Jesus, we are to be, we're to be good citizens, right? We are to work for the good of wherever we live, which means participating in that, in that system. So it's not quite the same, and I'm not trying to like start anything. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes or anything like that. What I'm saying is that we need to, um, sorry, I'm not trying, I'm also not trying to tell you which, which way to go. But we need to view it like we view all things through the lens of our identity in Christ. And if you identify in that sort of area, that's okay, but it's not above Christ, right? And it's not at the same level of Christ either. And sometimes that can sneak up on us. So, coming back from that, take a deep breath. Uh, let's talk about our identity in Christ and what that is. So, so what does it really look like? Well, it's probably not going to look like the first century church, mostly because we're not in the first century anymore. That's something a professor of mine said at school. But if we go back to the beginning, that big long intro I had a little while ago, the bonded or centered set. So let's, let's all be honest for a second with ourselves. We all have a list of what we think Christians look like. So of that list, that, that list that comes from Jesus' teachings and comes from the Bible, have you guys added anything? I have. And I'm sure you guys have too. Because again, we can't help but add things. That's part of, that's part of who we are. But are they at the same level? As Christ, are they more than Christ? Maybe. And maybe it snuck up on you. It has to me. This is actually really convicting as I was going through this. And I started looking at that mirror going, what am I adding? What do I think is part of that list that isn't really? And so I think we all need to check the mirror for planks, right? The, uh, it's the same principle, I believe, as far as do not you know, try to take the speck out of your brother's eye without checking for that plank. Or the pool noodle, we all know what that's like. And I also think part of this is, is coming together as a body of Christ and talking with others and maybe having hard conversations. But before you can come to somebody and have that hard conversation, you need to have a good look at yourself first. And maybe, 
you're worried. Like, I was a little bit worried. I'm, I'm looking at this idea of the bonded set. We have that list. It's, it's so simple. I can just follow that. If I don't have that list, you know, what if, we, what if we stray too far? And it's understandable. But again, the list of attributes is not the problem. I mean, we just went through an entire series of the commands of Christ, saying this is what Christ, who is our king, commanded us to do. That's not the problem. The, the, the issues come, think about it this way. Your focus determines your reality. So if, if you focus on that list of your attributes that can be very good, you know, it becomes about your own will and your own strength and you just achieving that and maybe even just checking that off and thinking that you've arrived and you're done. But if your focus is on Christ as the center it's about his will, about his power. Are you moving towards Christ? Are you becoming more merciful? Are you becoming more humble? More generous? More in love with King Jesus? And I believe that if we do that and we, and we let the Holy Spirit fill us, that all these other things that we're worried about that we're going to forget. All those other things will be added to us. It's not exactly, <laughs> I know that verse means something else, but I think, I think that applies. So as we leave here, and I feel like I've talked really fast, so I hope that this all didn't go over your head, but as we do kind of think about this and as we leave here, I think that we do need to check that mirror. And I believe that this is kind of an everyday sort of thing. This is what I've started doing, of checking that mirror for, for those, those planks that just sneak up on us. And I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up while I... Just a couple more things to say here. Kind of bring it back to what Paul was focused on so many times, and maybe you heard it, that no matter what we differ on, and we will differ on things, no matter what we differ on, whether you are on the left side, whether you are on the right side, whether you're a Star Wars fan, Star Trek fan, whether you like the ducks or you like the beavers, or maybe you're not into sports at all. You know, whatever you have, our center, who we should be focusing on, is Jesus, the Messiah King. And that is who we all are moving towards together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time that we can gather and we can um, talk about different ways of, of looking at our walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with wisdom as we, as we go forth and as we, as we consider these words. Lord, help us to be doers of the word and not just those who hear. In Jesus' name, amen.